Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Did you know that postseason football starts tomorrow? Did you know that? Tomorrow morning. Not even I, tomorrow afternoon I or evening. I did know that. I did know that. I like how zoomed in you are. It, it looks like I am your four-year-old son. <laughs> the size the camera is at a different angle. <laughs> it's phenomenal. I'm Michael Borkies, Brian Haydad. Ah, Hulk smash. Postseason football again tomorrow. The Bahamas Bowl, for what it's worth, if you have the day off, which if you have Friday... December sixteenth off. Good on you. Uh, you know maybe Richard will be watching it. Uh, Miami of Ohio and UAB at eleven a.m., which I think is actually is that ten a.m. for us? No, I think it's nine a.m. Either way, we have the. I think Bahamas, Bahamas is two hours ahead. I could be wrong. That I've never been. Haven't you been to the Bahamas? Yeah, and it's like directly south of Florida. Well, they may, it may just be Eastern Time then. Okay. Oh, they were further east. So they were further in the Atlantic than that. And then the Cure Bowl, which actually might be a pretty good football game. UTSA and Troy starts uh, about an hour before our show begins. So there you go. The, help me understand that better. Is it like basketball conflicts or something? Why are our bowl games starting in the morning? On what is a work day for most people? I don't get that. What a great question. Uh, I don't know the answer. I mean, I just assume it's about filling. Yeah, I mean, do you think about Friday night on ESPN? That's usually NBA time, right? So yeah. I guess it's already already filled up. Because, again, unless you're Richard. Nobody has December 16th off, except for him today and tomorrow. You're taking how many days off next week? All of them. All of them. You're gone all week next week. Yeah, well, I mean, we're we're closed up on Friday anyway. True. So it doesn't matter. But what are we supposed to do? Get by. Apparently. Endure. There's no other way. So, Yeah. Yeah. Postseason tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Central Time. Dan in Hattiesburg says it's just one hour. I went there in the summer. Uh, Jared, we will talk to Luke Johnson about that later. So Southern Miss got a portal commitment from a quarterback. 
from Clemson. Okay. It was a walk-on who earned a scholarship, uh, I believe, for this season. But an interesting pickup for Southern Miss. We'll talk to Luke Johnson about it, see if we can get a little bit more context there uh, from Southern Miss's new pickup. Also, they have their game Saturday. Southern Miss's bowl game is coming up this weekend. We'll talk to him about that as well. Am I going to rant about Auburn again today? No, maybe not. Unless it comes you don't know up. that. That's not part no. of the plan anyway. I mean, it could happen, but that is currently not part of the plan, but we uh, we shall see. What is part of the plan, though, is talking about it becoming officially official. The news broke yesterday that Zach Arnett was set to become Mississippi State's next head football coach. We talked about it a good bit, but now... It is officially official per the university. Zach Arnett, already on the road recruiting, has been on the road recruiting over the last couple of weeks, but uh, now, uh, today, doing it as the head coach at Mississippi State. I assume that they're going to have some visitors this weekend, so the the on-the-road recruiting aspect is going to have to come back home uh, rather quickly, but still. Uh, Zach Arnett, head coach, Mississippi State, officially official, four-year contract, $12 million, uh, carry the one three million dollars a year for the new Mississippi State football coach. Good math, good job. Uh, yeah, yeah. Arnett, you know, obviously the four year deal is the is the maximum the state can do three million per. So I mean, that's a good that's a good price for a first time head coach, I think. And you know, gives you a, a good chunk of change that you can work with for your assistant pool. You need to bring in an offensive coordinator. Uh, and then sort of figure out how you're going to do your staff. I don't know if there's going to be staff changes after the bowl game or not. You would think that Arnett might want to have his own staff a little bit, but at the same time he might want to keep continuity. So I'm not really sure which way they're going to go with that. Yeah, and that's one of the – there hasn't been much criticism of the decision, and I talked about uh, this a lot last night actually. Um, There's no right or wrong decision Mark Keenum could have made, I don't think. Uh, there are absolutely pros to the decision he just made. Continuity, obviously a very good defensive mind. His team loves to play for him. Uh, the, the calendar has sped up dramatically. If you waited until mid-January to name a head coach, a lot of things could have gone wrong, quite frankly, uh, between much. now and then. But you do have a guy that's only had uh, two stops in his career as a college football coach. Uh, at his previous stop, and then of course at Mississippi State, and no head coaching experience. So there's a, there's a con there. It's you know o- only two stops in in his career as a head coach. But on the flip side, if they decided to not do this and go through uh, a search, they would have had to hire an AD after the holidays. So you're talking weeks going by while signing day is less than a week away. The portal is currently open. It's going to be open for a while, and the candidate pool is not exactly that inspiring. Anyway, so I don't know if there's – that's not what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to have this super strong opinion all the time, and, and we try, and, and I try. But in this case, I don't think there's anything Mark Keenum could have done that would have been incorrect. It's an unprecedented thing happening at an unprecedented time. And, I mean, what is there to go by? It's not like he can look at – you know, Clemson did this back in – you know. 2016, and and it worked this way, and and I liked their plan, but we should do it. There's no precedent. The portal is a brand new thing. The the new calendar is, I say the new calendar is new, obviously, but the recruiting calendar is different now. Uh, Things have changed a lot since 2006, and, and that happened 
in the summer. So there isn't really anything Mark Keenum could have done that would have warranted true criticism, I don't think. He used unprecedented. That's a good word. You could also say you could also say worst. You could also say this is the worst possible situation and the worst possible timing. To lose your head coach tragically like that and be a week from signing day, there was no wrong decision to make. You could go for stability or you could you could, you know, do the, the search. I don't think anybody would have argued against you too hard either way. State opted for stability. And they're taking a risk. They're rolling the dice on Zach Arnett. And if he comes out to be a great head coach, well, then you got one. You got a great head coach. You can, you know, you got a lot of room to expand his salary if, if needs be, if he deserves it. And you go from there. Yeah. And that, that the salary piece is, is interesting. And of course, we want to hear from you guys. Uh, you know, we'll hear from Lee in the, in the next hour. So we, we've got time to talk about this. If you guys, uh, Want to chime in? We'd love to hear from you on the text line, the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Please don't text and drive. We can figure out what you're trying to say on voice text, so don't text and drive, but be a part of the show, 601-879-4395. Uh, some people said uh, to me, and, and I've seen it elsewhere, that they should have just given him a one-year trial run, just have him be the interim for a year. And, and here's How can you do that? Th- that would have set you, you back. You can't recruit like that. Yeah. You can't hire an you offensive coordinator. You can't recruit like that, Michael. Yeah. yeah. No coach is going to come in on a one-year deal, and no recruit is going to co- come in with a coach who's on a one-year deal. Nobody. No. You have to have – if you're going to commit to something, you have to commit to it. You, you mentioned it a second ago. you got to, you got to push your chips in with Arnett or, or you go with the search. There's no half whatevering it. Right. And, 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 you know, you can't do that. You have to either say he's our coach or you have to find a new coach. Those are your only two options. Um, please forgive me if this is callous. This, this is going to sound almost insensitive. Please forgive me, but I think you guys will understand why I'm saying what I'm saying. Um, Mississippi State can more comfortably commit to a four-year deal to an unproven coach because they're not hiring Zach Arnett while also having to pay a hefty buyout. This, it's, There's something to that. It's easier to to stomach if your state. Let's pretend. Let's just pretend for whatever reason he's not ready. And after two years, you know, it just the timing wasn't right. He he can't do this job. You're not paying a very significant buyout and having to do that again. Um, it, it would be very cheap, quite frankly, for Mississippi State to move on from Zach Arnett quicker than you usually would. If there are signs that it's not going to work, if after two years, you know, state's losing, they're not recruiting well, things are just looking discombobulated, it's six million dollars instead of six million dollars after paying sixteen million dollars. It does allow you to be more comfortable committing the full contract length to Zach Arnett, despite him being quote unquote unproven, because you're not writing significantly high monthly checks for the next couple years or paying massive no lump sums over the next month. So th- that should make it a little bit more comfortable, as callous as that sounds to say. It's just the reality of the situation. We'll talk about this more with you. Again, be a part of the show. 601-879-4395. Your thoughts, Mississippi State, Zach Arnett. Uh, new contract, four years, $12 million. He will be the head coach at Mississippi State moving Forward, I'm sure there are a lot of questions about offense moving forward. I don't know if we have the answers, but we'll sure talk about that 
when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi on a Thursday. Thank you with uh, thank you for being with us. We'll be back with you after this. That's Brian Hayden. It is great to be with you on this Thursday talking about Elvis. If you're not here with me. It's better when my voice isn't uh, falling apart. So legitimately your favorite Christmas song is that one. I love Blue Christmas. Come on, man. That's a great song. It is a great one. Like As, as non-traditional songs go, that's number one. I hear you. I hear you. Anything with Sinatra for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he sings so many, like, the traditional stuff that you can just, you know, get him doing Joy to the World or Heart right. the Herald Angel, Angel Sing or whatever. So Yeah, don't look him up, though. Never meet your heroes. I never met Sinatra, obviously. No, but no. don't read about your heroes, yeah. either. Just, just let... No, no, don't do that. Just let them be them, I guess. A uh, few of your questions on the text line. First one, a little bit of a uh, technical question. Hey, Dad, do you know or has it been made clear when the media will get to meet with Zach Arnett for the first time? After this, they have of course, not, you've met with him before. Is, but. Yes, I've met him many times. Uh, my guess is signing day. You know, he's recruiting this week. He's got recruit. Obviously, this weekend they're not going to do that. And then they go into the dead period. My guess is everything will be done on signing day. Understandably so. That'll be a busy afternoon so, for sure. So Wednesday. Yeah, no yeah. Uh, no doubt. Billy in Madison is allowed to participate since Richard is off. I also had uh, somebody come up to me in church asking me if I thought it was him that was so um, annoyingly bothering Richard about Lane Kiffin to Auburn stuff last week or two weeks ago, whenever that was. That was him, was. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. that was him. Strider says, I bet all parties involved are satisfied. Another question, why not Dan Mullen? Come on. Come on, y'all. That, that ship has sailed. Dan Mullen's never going to be the head coach in Starkville again. Never. It, I don't know that Dan Mullen's even looking to get back into coaching. I think, I mean, he just doesn't, I said it before when he had the Florida job, he doesn't have the fire for recruiting that you have to have to coach these days. It's just not his thing. Now, he might, if a pro job opened up for him, maybe. But I don't know that he'll ever be a college head coach again. I could be wrong, but I just don't know. Yeah, and especially with you know how he handled being the head coach at Mississippi State. Now, he won. He did. He won football games, developed talent, Dak Prescott, on and on. But the, the constant looking around for jobs and stuff like that, it just... Do you really want to invite that back, especially after dealing with what the, what you've dealt with? Do you want to bring that right back in? I don't. I don't yeah. think that that is something that Mark Keenum, who is making these decisions until he hires an AD, that's not something that I would invite back to, to my campus. No, this is the guy that you know didn't think that that 
we were good enough. And I'm speaking, of course, in Keenum's perspective. This guy didn't think we were good enough for years and then and then left. I'm not bringing him right back after what just happened. So it's a non-starter. Exactly. Uh, for, for them. Uh, JC and Tupelo is asking if uh, State is keeping the air raid based on recruiting strategy. I think at least for the first year, you kind of have to. I think it's too late in the game to, to, to get a transfer portal quarterback to come in that gives you anything different than Will Rogers would. So stick with your strengths. You've got the base of a good team next year. You should be a, have a chance to win nine games plus with the schedule and what you bring back. No reason, no reason to up, up, uh, to rock the boat here in, in year one. Uh, and nobody runs it like Mike Leach anyway. So, so if you were right. going to try to hire an air raid guy, the offense wouldn't look exactly the same as it's been run there. And I think Richard actually made a good point yesterday. Are, are we? I know, right? Are we totally sure that Zach Arnett thinks that? That the air raid is how he wants to do things. That then that's not. We don't know. That, that comes off as like questioning whether or not he likes and respects Mike Leach and thinks that he could win games. Obviously, he thought that if he w- jumped on with him to be his DC and turned down places like LSU to remain at Mississippi State, he clearly uh, thought that winning was possible where he was. But that doesn't mean he doesn't think that maybe there's a different approach to offense that would fit what he wants to do now that it's his program better. We don't know those answers. We'll, we'll find out in less than a week. But, you know, guys think differently. And it doesn't mean they're wrong, but I, I do wonder if if he's completely and totally sold and bought in on that being their offensive philosophy moving forward. Don't know the answer to that question. Uh, it's, it's a good one, though. I mean, I guess we'll probably get a little bit of an idea Based off of who he hires as his offensive coordinator, you know if he if he stays in the Mike Leach tree, then yeah, that's probably where, the way they're going to stay stay running. Although you, you made the point, nobody runs the pure air raid the way Leach did. Whoever he brings in is going to be somebody who incorporates more of the running game, maybe even more of a the mobile quarterback kind of situation. But long term, I don't know the answer to that, and we'll have to to see how he he structures his staff. Lucas and Union says 750k per year for Arnett means he can go get a really good OC. Love the move. He's making a little bit more than that. 750k. He's, well, what year is it? He's making 2.25 million more than that 750k. Yeah. But the I mean, point three stands million a year. that uh, yes, the salary pool, the assistant pool should be going up. We haven't seen those numbers released yet. I assume that they will be going up. Um and that's that's going to be critical when you have I mean, it's the same thing that you say for any side-of-the-ball-minded coach. Dave Aranda, for example, he had a defensive coordinator that that he fired and that Auburn hired after Aranda fired him. There's your Auburn shot of the day. Auburn's hiring fired coaches from Baylor and from Ole Miss. He wasn't technically fired, but he was... Anyway, uh, so there's your Auburn shot of the day. But to make Dave Aranda successful, the offensive coordinator's got to be good. To make Lane Kiffin successful at Ole Miss, he's got to have a good defensive side of the ball because he will he will handle offense and he will oversee the program, but he's an offensive guy. Mike Leach, offensive guy, he oversaw the offense. I'm going to hire Zach Arnett, and he's just he's going to handle that, and, and we'll have a good uh, working relationship there, but defense is going to be his thing. Now it's just flip-flopped. 
Zach Arnett, I assume, is going to hire some version of a defensive coordinator. I'm curious to know how much of the plays he's going to call himself, or or will he hand that off and just kind of be an interventionist if he doesn't like a call, or or is it still going to be his? But either way, Zach Arnett's critical thing now moving forward is who's the offensive guy? Because he's going to kind of, you would think, have autonomy over that side of the ball, and you can't win without scoring points in the SEC. So... One thing to remember is, you know, Arnett moving up only opens up one spot on the uh, on the staff. So you say you hire a defensive coordinator. If you do that, you know, you, you don't have the offensive spot anymore. So that that spot has to go to an offensive guy. I think defensively, you're probably going to look to promote from within, and you could see Matt Brock, who's currently the Mississippi State linebackers coach, who's been a, a, a guy who's showed up on a lot of young coaches to watch kind of lists could be promoted to defensive coordinator. But I do agree, you know, Zach Arnett's going to be, you know, he's going to still have his say and his 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 percent of the vote will remain 51% uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But unless another coach decides to leave, it's just one hire coming for Mississippi State. Bob's as Keenum did what he had to do in order to maintain stability on a number of levels. Kudos to him for making a tough decision when he had to. I, I did see some, again, very few people actually criticizing this because I think most people have good perspective on exactly the situation and what it warranted. But I did see some people criticizing the speed in which this happened. Again, this might sound callous. You didn't have a, you can't wait. You can't delay because National Signing Day is coming whether or not you made a move on head coach. And it's coming in six days, really five and a half. So you couldn't wait. There was no reason to wait. I don't think it's insensitive to go ahead and push forward because the calendar doesn't allow you to to wait. It really doesn't. So if they knew this was going to happen, you had no choice. You had no choice. Yeah, you had visitors coming this weekend. You had to be able to tell them something. You needed to be able to tell them, hey, guys, we're going to have a, a national search in which case there's a ton of uncertainty for those guys because they don't know that the coaches they're talking to right then will be there when they sign. And you open yourself up to the possibility of having to release a lot of guys from NIL, from NLIs because they aren't you know good yeah. with the, uh, the, the, the direction you chose. Or you could tell them, hey, we've got our guy and we're moving forward. And that's the decision Mississippi State decided to make. I think it's a smart decision, and I think it's going to pay off short-term and long-term, because I, I do believe in Zach Arnett. I think he will be a very good coach for Mississippi State. We'll get to more of your messages when we come back. I mean, significant deal. Mississippi State's new football coach, Zach Arnett, and all the things that come with it. So we'll get more of your messages on the text line. 6 year one talking Arnett being the uh, interim tag taken away, being the permanent head coach at Mississippi State. There is a bowl game coming up as well against Illinois, who, by the way, Illinois' defensive coordinator off to Purdue. So uh, Illinois will be down at least one very important piece of their successful season for whatever that's worth to you. I'm Michael. He's Brian. We'll be right back in the Pearl River Resort studio.
Michael Gorky and Brian Haydad with you talking about Zach Garnett being named the permanent head coach. At least in a four-year contract, anyway. I always get a, a kick out of people saying that the interim is now the permanent head coach, like at Georgia Tech. Yeah. For like forever, forever. Like, is, is part? Did he get a twenty-year deal? Unfireable. Uh, is it ironclad? Is it like what Bill Self got at Kansas? Is it impossible to terminate him? What do you mean he's the permanent head coach? Maybe. And I, fi- I fell into the trap myself. Zach Arnett is not the permanent head coach at Mississippi State. He's just he's the, the current head one. coach. Yes, there we, yeah. there we go. Bunch of your messages, though. A lot of questions. Doing our best to answer as many as we can. Interesting one from Debbie in Ocean Springs asking if Arnett might coach in the style of Leach. Uh, hey, Dad, you know more than me on, on this. I do think, though, based on my observations, they are very different people. Yeah. And both methods can work. Obviously, for two decades, Mike Leach's methods and personality worked just fine. I don't think you're going to see the same style would be the right way at the top as you have for the last three years. He's a very different guy. Mm-hmm. Well, the main thing to remember is he's he's a, he's a defensive guy. You know, and his mentors are Rocky Long and, you know, probably going all the way back to Joe Lee Dunn. So, no, I, I don't know how much style. I mean, he won't be calling the offensive play, so I don't, I don't know. You know, when, when you say style, I, I don't know exactly what you're expecting there because obviously he's calling defenses and Coach Leach was an, was an offensive guy. So, no, I don't think there will be a whole ton of similarities in the way he does things versus the way Coach Leach did things. He's definitely his own man and will, will set his own path. A couple of questions on the same thing, so let's just answer them together. Uh, for now, do we know who's going to be uh, the primary play caller for the bowl game? And then to follow that up, people are asking if whoever that is just is going to be the guy. Is there any inclination of either one of those things? I do think that regardless of who calls plays in the bowl game, State will will search for an offensive coordinator and be unlikely to promote from within. But as far as the bowl game goes, the two names I would expect are, are Steve Spurrier Jr. and Drew Hollingshead. Those are the two guys that, if State's going to name a play caller, and I expect them to do so, we'll probably find out that information Wednesday when you can finally talk to Zach Arnett. Uh, those are the two guys that I would have my eye on that, that I think would be the uh, the most likely candidates. Bruce says, I like the hiring, even though he's not proven as a head coach. He obviously knows how to coach. His defenses were great. He has shown an allegiance to State by staying when other schools wanted him, including Auburn, and offered him more. This may also be the opportunity to make adjustments to the air raid and do what Haydad has said over and over and run the ball more. Yeah, I mean, if you believe the reporting, which I do, Zach Arnett at points in his three years at Mississippi State uh, was interviewed Offered, and then he told no to LSU, and at least Auburn explored the possibility, and they were also told no. Think about that. Well, you know, lateral moves. Uh, hey, <coughs> and the LSU decision was yeah, a good one, especially. And that was, you know, we were just talking about a one-year deal, a, a, you know, a little bit ago. That's what that would have been. You know, you were coming in on the on the tail end of Ed Orgeron there. You didn't want to be a part of that sinking ship, so he made the right decision to stick at State Mississippi State. And then with Auburn, I mean, I, I mentioned it before, I don't think his personality would have meshed very well uh, with Hugh Freeze's personality. 
That's just a personal opinion of mine based on what I know of of knowing Arnett and what I know of what I know of Freeze. I don't think they would have they would have uh, been a good combo. Would have gone terribly. Ter- 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 yeah, I think so. Terribly. Uh, David in Oxford is saying, "Bring in an OC from the tree. See if we can get Kingsbury." I've seen. I've been asked by a couple people about. Well, Kingsbury's going to be out of the job soon. Can State get him? And my reaction is, uh, no. But not because of Mississippi State. It's because he's been an NFL guy for a few years now, and and going from that lifestyle back to college and not even being a head coach in college is not something a guy like Cliff Kingsbury I see doing. If that makes sense, no. he's going to go from the swagger of living in uh, what is it, Scottsdale, where whatever right. that, that suburb of Phoenix that's Glendale. in the valley, where where he's got just this stunning home, <clears throat> and he gets six months off a year where he doesn't have to call high school kids, you, and he gets to run around with this. What are you saying girlfriend. about Starkville? That's stunning views all over the place. Uh, they Starkville's great. Don't get me wrong. But you don't get six months off as a coach no, in Starkville. No. So he gets to hang no. out in his mansion with this pool and perfect weather and his supermodel girlfriend. And it's just a, it's a totally different lifestyle. That's why I see college guys so often clamoring to get to the NFL because it's different. I just, if he I, does get the job, I know a good realtor, though. So we, we can, we can, I can hook him up. Sell him your house. He'd be my neighbor. Yeah. No, I like my house, but he can. He can. Uh, we've got some in the neighborhood that he could. Uh, he could look at. Could you imagine Cliff Kingsbury just casually walking around in Starkville, like walking the dog? Yeah, just, just yeah. walking around the streets. That that, that would be mm. a sight to see, man. My wife would be outside looking at him, probably. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I don't think she'd mind me telling this story. Uh, when the Saints were playing the 49ers the other day, uh, I guess two weeks ago, um, you know, I was semi excited to watch the game, but I'm talking to my wife about how, you know, I want to watch the Saints today. We're playing the 49ers. And she goes, I don't know how she knew this. She goes, Ooh, is that the hot guys team? <laughs> she wanted to watch Jimmy Garoppolo play. I don't know how she knew he played for San Francisco. Couldn't care less about football, but buddy, she wanted to see the Saints play that day because Jimmy G was playing quarterback. She wanted to see Jimmy G. Yes. Goodness. <laughs> oh, Goodness. and who knows? I might get her actually interested in the Saints because Jimmy G's going to be a free agent. Maybe we can sign him and then... But every time she'll watch with me, I, I'll know it's not because she cares about what I care about. It's because she wants to watch the hot guy play quarterback. She's lusting after Jimmy G. Unbelievable. How dare she? Borky taking shots at <laughs> Auburn in Auburn colors. He's going to mess around and resurrect Auburn. <laughs> they already got him on a six-year contract. Um, are we doing a bull picks contest? What, uh, i got to talk to Richard about that because that is the plan. Yeah, we're supposed to be. So, uh, yes, Mike, thank did he, you. Did he jet out of town and not get that set up? Apparently so. Imagine that. I'll, uh, I'll text Imagine that, him today. leaving his responsibilities unfulfilled. I love how... This guy. So, most of the social media posting inside baseball is done by me. It's just, yes. It's uh, my own... And what isn't done by you is done by me. Yes. One time, I asked Richard to help me post something on Facebook... And his que- his response oh, was, God. "How do I do that?" Yeah. And so, guess guess who ended up doing it? it, it you did that. It was it wasn't him. 
Uh, Billion Ocean Springs, did Leach not have an OC? No, it was him. He called the plays. No, he called the plays. Had the napkin. And just a few hand signals. Didn't even bother. That's what, that's what you got to love about Mike Leach. Didn't bother having like four other guys next to him also signaling stuff it. in. Nope, just him. No. I got you. That's all That's all we need to me. Chris asking, do we think the new OC will come quick for the same reason signing day? It is probably no. too late for that. Because search that, that's yeah. the thing about coaching searches is they, they don't just happen in a day. Mark Keenum was not going to be able to hire an athletic director, get him in, and then get a head coach in in, in a couple of days. That's a multi-week no. process. So, yeah, the OC will probably be something that happens, honestly, after after the new year. You know, they always have the coaches convention where that's where a lot of your assistant coaches get hired. Arnett will go down there, meet with some folks, and I would expect uh, a name to come out, you know, probably the second week of January. And that's when you go forward from there. And that's not unprecedented. So you have staff hires that remain open all the way up into the coaches convention. Which doesn't that happen in January? I think mm-hmm. so. You know, yeah, that's that's not really unprecedented, um, right? Well, I mean, you think about like when Leach was hired; he was hired on January 9th. Yeah. I mean, his staff wasn't made whole until at least a week later. So, I mean, yeah, you know, you got to have it takes time, and right now is not the time to be you know worried about that. You've got a game you got to play, and you got some recruiting to do. You, you're, you, whoever the, the offensive coordinator for 2023 is, that is a priority that can wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. So then that's what they'll do. I wonder if State's going to do something very similar to what North Carolina did. Um, and with all due respect to Will Rogers, this is going to sound like a shot. I, I'm, I'm sorry. He's not Drake May. Uh, but North Carolina looped Drake May into their offensive coordinator search. He had input. He was involved. I wonder if uh, if Zach Arnett views his quarterback in in that kind of way, where he would let him at least have some input on where he needs to go. I think Chip Lindsey, right, is who North Carolina hired from UCF, Correct. Uh, and Drake May had a say. And I, this is interesting. Very interesting. Chip Lindsey. Yeah. I don't know what you saw from Chip Lindsey that made you think that's the guy to get me to the next level, but whatever. I do wonder if um, if that will be a part as well. Good questions. Good conversation. We'll get to more uh, as we can when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi on a Thursday talking about Zach Arnett, the new head coach at Mississippi State. We'll be right back. It's going to be a catfish Christmas. Santa's on the lake. He's dreading his whip off fishing pole and a giant boat for his sleigh. With a red life jacket and a tackle box, he's bringing his ice chest filled to the Steve Azar, Catfish Christmas on a Thursday. I'm Michael Borkey's Brian Haydad talking about Zach Arnett. And Mississippi State, we get a couple messages, a few more here actually, before we transition to the next hour. We'll talk about basketball. State struggled a little bit and then ended up, uh, holding on's not the right word, just get, getting a win in Jackson in front of a good crowd, by the way. We'll talk about that 
Ole Miss at one point was down 21-0. The didn't score a point. Yeah, Plumlee looked really sharp in the first quarter. I mean, just, just really giving it to the Rebels on his return. In the first eight minutes of the game. It's rough. It was hard. College basketball is already kind of a tough watch. That that was unfathomable. Uh, of just I saw your tweet. Was. I wasn't keeping up either. I saw your tweet. I was like, either they're winning really big or they're losing really big. Let me see which one it is. And I found the score. And I was like, ooh. 21 to nothing at home. Ugh. So we'll talk yeah, about that as well. Interesting question here. Do we think that Zach Arnett will keep the Egg Bowl kind of on the low like Leach and Kiffin did? I sure hope so, and don't act like Mullen and Freeze. He's a pretty intense guy. I don't know, man. I, I could see him bringing a little, little more juice than uh, than before, for sure. Well, th- there's a difference between bringing intensity and juice and bringing mm-hmm. Mullen and Freeze energy. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a difference between caring about it and then that. I mean, we talked about it was going to be different under Luke and Moorhead, and then the first time, you know, there was literally a fight at midfield. There was a fight during the game. So, I mean, I'm just not one that worries about the the level of venom in the Egg Bowl. It's always going to be high. There's no getting the fans to say kumbaya. So just, just live with it. It doesn't bother me. It it can be better than it was, and it is better than it was for sure, though. So, yeah. Pat or Dale from the Delta said, "There's nobody on staff I'd want as the OC. Give me either Hatcher, Latrell, uh, Kittley, who I don't know who that is. Who is he talking about there? Or Graham Harrell? Uh, Zach Kittley is who he's talking about. He's the uh, offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. Okay." We'll get a first-hand look at him here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, inside those of- are all quality quality choices. I think Latrell and Her- and Harrell are the two we're hearing the most, but we'll see. We <laughs> back on the Cliff Kingsbury conversation. Hey, Dad, we are Ole Miss fans, but my wife would probably drive to Starkville to see Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> It's going to look a dude. What can you do? Ticket sales would go up. And it would be a bunch of women. Like, our demographics have changed a lot. Usually our season ticket we holders are like... We have got more people registered for the women's football clinic than we ever have before. <laughs> Not sure what's going on. You would have to hold that in the stadium. The practice facility could not keep them. <laughs> Man, <laughs> we got 1,000, 1,030 to... Yeah. Never mind, John Rice Plumley, Mississippi State's bringing the Madison Housewives out. Let's go. Instead of uh, a bunch of painted-up bros on the front row of the student section, it's a bunch of sorority girls with signs with their Instagram handles on it. Yeah. <laughs> now we're talking. Oh, man. Uh, sad but true. It's, no, so it's true. not even sad. It's just true. Oh, man. Oh man, good uh, good to be with you guys. Hunter thinks that Arnett will uh, own the Egg Bowl, is what he says. Paul and Starkville says to uh, hire the TCU offensive coordinator at two point two million per year, best hire ever. Oh, that guy Garrett Riley, he's he's, he's not taking another offensive coordinator job. His next 
stop as head coach somewhere. That guy's really good. Glenn's asking if we think Spurrier would be interested in the OC job. If you're talking about Steve, no. If you're talking about Steve Jr., yes, probably, but I don't. I don't believe he's going to get it. Yeah, Steve. Steve Sr. is. Uh, I mean, unless you want a guy that's going to play golf six days a week and then maybe show up on yeah. Saturday with a Miller Light in his hand, that, by all means, you know, give it a shot. Now, that being said, in that time frame, he would still call a heck of a football game and you'd probably get 35, 40 points out of him. Probably so. But, no. No, it's not going to happen. Ole Miss fans threw a chair at players. Yes, the whole stadium did. The whole stadium threw chairs at players. Did Borky Lee threw Kippen one. Really he, went fa- he, he drove to Starkville. Borky drove to Starkville after the Egg Bowl. And when the team got off the bus, he was there with a steel chair in hand. Like the Sandman at the ECW arena. But to answer your question, yes, they did. They absolutely did. Um, It wasn't even a question. He just he just telling you that it happened. Well, then he said, "Did Leach and Kiffin really tone it down?" And yes, absolutely, they did. Yes, very much so. Um, And it wasn't because what's what's interesting is that was kind of a residual effect of just their relationship. It wasn't because they were like, you know what. This rivalry's not healthy. We got to do something. It was, hey, I like that guy. I really like that guy. We're buddies. We'll go hang out in Key West. And then they played a football game against each other every year. It kind of was just a offshoot as opposed to a pointed strategy. But either way, uh, fast first hour. Sports Talk Mississippi. More with you on this when we come back. Glad you're with us. I'm Michael Borkies, Brian Haydad. Richard's off today and tomorrow. Haydad is off all next week. Well, four of the five days. We will be off on Friday. Is that a that's a right. Christmas music day, is that? Or is that just a little I'm, bit I, of extra us? Well, hold on. We got an email from our friend, uh, Will East. Well, I say our friend. I mean, you know, he's our boss, so we, we have to pretend. Um Let's see here. Friday, 6 to 9 a.m., the Gallo Show will be live. And then on uh, from 10 to 1, Middays with Gerard will be live. There's a remote that day. And I don't. Uh, I assume that's the one that uh, we just found out. So that's going to be at the Corner Market Toy Drive for our homes, homes of Hope for Children. That's, that's tomorrow, though. That's not next week. I don't know. I don't know where that remote is. But that remote is tomorrow for Gerard. Every time I try to do these reads, by the way, I screw them up. I should probably stop. Uh, but anyway, and then at, starting at 1 after the remote, uh, we will have uh, uh, a Mississippi Christmas with uh, with our friend Steve Azar. Heck yeah. Uh, and that will run all day from 1, from 1 o'clock on Friday the 23rd, all day Christmas Eve, and ends at midnight on Christmas Day. It's a really well done production too. I'm not just saying that because I work here. Oh yeah. Put it on your Alexa or, or whatever uh, when you're at home with the family cooking and drinking too much eggnog yeah. and and doing all that. Put that on. It'll uh, it'll get you through. And I think I think if you can watch it on uh, Super Talk TV, you get the whole Yule log, the Yule log effect. Nice. While it's going on there, so perfect. 
Have you seen this uh, Dolphins-Bills situation that's playing out? So the Dolphins are supposed to be in Buffalo this weekend. They, they will be in Buffalo okay. this weekend. They're supposed to be, and they will be. A lot of snow, as you can imagine, is expected. Lake effect snow in Buffalo starting Friday night into Monday. 15 to 22 inches of snow, and it's going to snow basically the entire weekend there. So a lot. They've been asking you know, Mike McDaniel and... Dolphins players about how you manage the snow. And McDaniel walked around practice uh, yesterday with a shirt that said, I hope it snows more, or I wish it would snow more. Uh, Having a little fun with it. Tua, though, I don't know if he stepped in it, but he kind (laughs) of said something a little bit goofy in his press conference yesterday also when asked about the snow, and he finally got kind of frustrated and said, guys, snow's in Alabama, too. Last year, it snowed two inches in Alabama. The whole year. That's less. In two days, three weeks ago in Buffalo, it snowed 22 inches. It's an entirely different thing. I feel like the Dolphins don't quite understand. With, With the way they've talked about it, it seems like they don't exactly understand what the snow you saw in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is versus lake effect snow in Buffalo, New York. It's a little bit different. It's literally the same thing as in somebody from Buffalo talking about Alabama and saying it gets hot up here too. Yeah. Mm -mm. It's the same thing. It's not the same thing at all. It is a totally different thing. Mississippi and Alabama snow is different than Buffalo, New York snow. The same way Buffalo, New York hot is different than Mississippi hot. They're not even the same weather phenomenon. What Buffalo people would call hot, Mississippi people would call spring. Whereas up there, what they would, we would call snow, they would call Thursday. Yeah, a good a Thursday. Thursday. It's, oh. Oh, we had a little light sprinkling, light dusting. I could still mow the lawn. <laughs> well, I'm going out in shorts and a quarter zip to mow the lawn and drink a beer. I mean, they've got special poles up there that on the end of it have like a rectangle. And so, so think of a long pole with a wire frame rectangle on the end of it. And running down the pole is like a, like a tarp almost, a very thin tarp. And what they do is they, okay. they, they put the pole on the roof and just, like, push it up as far as they can to make, like, a snow block that slips down the tarp and off the roof. Like, that is just part of something that you have to have there because you can't let 20 inches of snow just sit on your roof or else your house is eventually going to collapse. So they have these little these right. type of, like these the special Metrodome. poles that make snow bricks to get off their roof more efficiently. So that makes a good point. Two is from Hawaii. I want to know in his three years in Tuscaloosa, did it ever actually snow? It's possible that it didn't. I bet they got one. Did it where snow it like from 2017 inches? to 2019 in Tuscaloosa? It may not have. I bet they got one. Because I, I think I remember us getting like a southern snow where you saw the picture of Bryant Denny. and But that lasts like two days. Like, everybody wakes up, and and they run around campus and throw snowballs at each other. Then they hit the bar, and you go to the frat house, and then you wake up the next morning, and it's all melted away. And you didn't play games in it. Like, that's the thing. That's what makes that statement so stupid. It's, well, it snows in Alabama, too. Did you ever play in it? 
Yeah. Like, don't downplay the severity uh, of the weather that's coming. It's your supposed way to snow Sunday. on me on Thursday in, in Missouri. Nice. I like snow. High. The high is 18 on Thursday. I'm looking forward to it. You like cold, don't you? Love it. I don't know about 18, though. Yeah, 18's a little bit. I like the 50s and the 40s. I'll still wear shorts in that weather. But you start getting into the teens and, you know, I am getting older. I am getting older. i got to be careful. Pat slash Dale in the Delta says, into us from Hawaii, so I'm guessing unless he went skiing on vacation before, he's likely never seen uh, much snow outside of a southern dusting. Exactly. These Buffalo guys practice in this. <laughs> they, they they jump into the ice water. They have those the zero degree clubs and stuff. They're not prepared. Not to mention the fact they jump through tables. Gibbon Greenwood says a couple weeks ago when it snowed five feet in Buffalo and they moved the game to Detroit. One of my buddies that went to the game was relieved to hear it was moved to Detroit because he's only five foot nine. <laughs> Keep your head above water and above snow at all times. Andy in Michigan is a, a transplant, still listening to the show. We appreciate him. Said, yeah, but we react to 22 inches of snow here in the Great Lakes the same way you all do uh, react to two inches of snow in Alabama or Mississippi. But in fairness, 22 inches of snow, two feet of snow is something worth reacting to. We, we overreact to snow down here the same way they overreact to heat up there, though. You get a heat warning because it's 87. Here's a question. Regarding the snow in Buffalo, what does everyone expect the Dolphins to say? Should they just forfeit the game? No. I feel pretty yes, certain they understand absolutely. the challenge. But that's the thing. Tua Statement tells you he doesn't understand the challenge. Oh, it snows exactly. in Alabama, too. Not like this. Here's what you say. Conditions are, are going to be what they are. we got to be prepared for everything as a football team. We know it's unique up there. We're looking forward to the challenge. Boom. Instead, everybody's making fun of you today. Because you know, you haven't played in Buffalo snow, Tua. Yeah, it's gonna be fun though. I mean, it's the Dolphins are good. This is a fun storyline. I think I love this game. You get one or two a year where it's just wicked snow that yeah. makes the game almost unwatchable, if not for the weather. JB wants to know: Is it a dry cold? <laughs> <laughs> Man, it snows differently up there than it. Um, and then it does here, too, like the way it feels. So all the way back in, oh gosh, December of 2013, I believe, is when, when my uncle passed, and, and he lived in Sandusky, Ohio. And it snowed really bad. They, his funeral was the day Ole Miss played Georgia Tech in the uh, Music City Bowl. Uh, it was snowing really bad that day. But it was the kind of snow like what you see in movies where you could just, like, pick it up with your hands and and blow on it, and it would just disperse. Like, here, when it lands, it kind of melts, and it's really wet. When you play in the snow down here when it snows, like, your pants are wet and your feet are wet. Up there, I mean, I spent, like, an hour and a half outside with one of my cousins. We were... This is how stupid we were. We, uh, We built, like, a cooler out of snow, just like an open, like, rectangle with walls, and we just put our yeah. beers in the snow cooler that we made, and we were just... There you go. I wasn't wet. My hands weren't wet. My feet weren't wet. Nothing. It, I, I didn't get wet standing in the snow for an hour and a half. It was completely different than what we get here. It's, it is different. It, it, 
This is this is the way of the world. The weather phenomenon changes as, as you as you travel. They do something up there though. So there is a, a mm-hmm. small island in the middle of Lake Erie called Put In Bay. Put in Bay. And when the lake Putin Bay <laughs> vomit. <laughs> when the lake freezes and freezes solid for the winter, somebody gets out there with like a ice depth measurer. I don't know what you call it. Yeah. And they draw a path from Sandusky to the island, which is a long drive, and they line it with Christmas trees, and people drive their cars on the lake all the way out to this island. It is a long drive. You can't see the island from shore. Like, you have to drive. That's iffy. I would never do that. That's very iffy, Borky. That's very iffy. That that reeks of, uh, you know, the car went into the ice. I don't don't know that I'm going to do that. No. No. No shot. No, not interested. We'll uh, we'll get some bowl picks when we come back with uh, Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. We've uh, got a handful of picks with him, including the Ole Miss and the State Bowl game. So we'll do that when we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Don't go anywhere. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. But now we got to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, ParamountSports.com joining us right now. And Lee, I, I had to cut you off on the phone there just because the segment began. Uh, that's awesome to hear that if you're watching the Orange Bowl, we're going to see your little girl singing the national anthem. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. Exciting awesome. news. I didn't, have, could, I didn't have a boy, so next best thing. Uh, got my daughter uh, singing the national anthem. She uh, got an email a little over a month ago, so she'll be flying down from New York City after we actually go up and see her for a week. And uh, so, if anyone tunes in, I, I, I think there's a good chance they're going to show it. They've been showing all the championship games uh, a couple weeks ago. They showed the national anthem, so let's hope they continue. And if they show it, great. If not, um, I'll post something on social media. So. Uh, uh, no bad comments that the national anthem singer was no good than the Orange Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> we will uh, we will refrain for sure. Can she okay. play quarterback though? Because I think Clemson needs somebody better than DJ, and at this point, a, a mannequin would do better than him. Um, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be okay with Cole Klubnik. Now, did you hear the story about him ending up there? No. So he originally, I believe, wanted to go to Texas A and M. And Connor Wegman decided a day or two before he was going to make the announcement. So he's like, okay, uh, you know, two five-star guys, I guess I'll go to Clemson, my number two choice. I think Clemson's going to be happy with what they got there. I think he's a absolute stud, um, confidence, and uh, that's going to be a fun game. All orange. Both teams with the orange and the orange bowl. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and he'll be happier, too, in the long run, not being at Texas A&M. So let's look at some of these games. They're starting tomorrow, for what that's worth, but let's look at more of uh, the high-profile ones, starting uh, with this state. Now, Mississippi State, uh, obviously, as you know, has been 
uh, dealing with tragedy within their program, but Zach Arnett has been named. Uh, Interim's been taken away, been named the head coach, uh, and they are going to play in the bowl game. Illinois is a two-point favorite in this one from a football perspective. What do you see here? Yeah, the importance of the game is taking a back seat. Uh, with the tragic death of Mike Leach. I, mean, I used to call him the mad professor, and then I called him the pirate. One of a kind. Uh, brought the air raid into the modern era. Uh, the problem here is I think Illinois' defense is the best unit out there. Uh, number one scoring defense, allowing just 12.5 points per game. They held four opponents to season lows in yardage here. I like Illinois here. I think they're the right side. I just think it's too much for these kids. 23-17. The other uh, SEC bowl game featuring a team from this state anyway, Ole Miss and Texas Tech on a late Wednesday night in Houston. Texas Tech fans are jazzed up for this one. Uh, Based on ticket sales from the other side, Ole Miss fans maybe Mm. not so much, but the matchup kind of favors Ole Miss here, right? Texas Tech, what, 90th against the run in college football, something like that. Uh, And Ole Miss is a three-point favorite. Yeah, so here's what happened. Um... Texas Tech won three straight, seven and five. Uh, but you look at their schedule. They don't have one statement win. Ole Miss eight and four, lost the last three. So you're getting a favorable line. These two teams play a month ago. I think Ole Miss is favored by eight, nine, ten points. So uh, huge positive with Lane Kiffin staying in Oxford. I thought he is. Last game against Mississippi State, uh, he called a really poor game for about two quarters, second and third quarter. But. Um, uh, he rarely has, you know, bad games back-to-back calling plays. Uh, and I think they're also going to be, they want to get that uh, stench out from losing that game. Also lost last year in a bowl game to Baylor 21-7. to So uh, I think you, you go with a run and you stick with it. Uh, you keep that Texas Tech offense off the field. I think you're going to have success here. And uh, they got the better running game. And I think they got more to prove here. I think Texas Tech just happy being here. Ole Miss 35-24. Now the two playoff games. Michigan TCU up first. Michigan without their star running back. Still a seven-point favorite, though, in the first of two playoff games. It's a big line. It, it is a big line. When I first looked at it, I'm like, okay, maybe the dog. But remember this. Michigan was just happy being there last year in that game in the semifinals, I thought. Uh, I think they own a huge advantage here better offensive line in front seven here. TCU is going to have to hit on some big plays, and I think play air free ball, have a chance to win this game. I just don't think they can go toe-to-toe with Michigan. College football semifinalists who allow more than 23 points per game, and that's TCU, 0-4 straight up, 1-3 against the spread. Michigan, I know, has had trouble after beating Ohio State uh, 1-5-1 and against the spread in bowls the last seven times that happened, but I think this is a different year. I think they're hungry. I don't know if they're going to win it, but they're going to get to the big dance. Michigan, 34-20. Lee, before we continue, tell the the people where they can get your picks and, and all that information. So it's been an incredible year. I mean, we've won 13 out of 18 weeks since the start of the preseason. Uh, anyone wants to hop on board, we have what's called Double Down December. You can get 37 bowl games from tomorrow morning starting at 1030 in the morning your time. Uh, through December 31st, and also two weeks of the NFL, uh, just $197. We had it priced at $397. i am in a great mood. My daughter's singing the national anthem. I'm going up to New York City. We've won five of the last six years in the bowl season. Three of those five 
We've hit over 64% of our bowl games. I'm not going to give out every game. We'll probably, out of the 41 games, have 24, 25 selections. So they want to come on board just $197. Just go to ParamountSports.com. And back to the uh, the playoffs, the other game, Georgia-Ohio State. For what it's worth, uh, I was talking to somebody that was looking to get tickets for this game, have me you know drive over and, and go with them. Uh, it would have cost us $600 a pop to sit in the very upper deck in the end zone corner. So that was a quick no. Uh, a lot of juice in this one, but is the game going to play out that way? So I, I truly believe that Behind the closed doors, they thought that Michigan was two, the representatives in Ohio State was three, but they can't have a rematch. So uh, Georgia gets the tougher draw here. But Georgia, this is the third time they get to play in the same building. Played there a couple weeks ago. I love their three-headed monster rushing attack featuring McIntosh, Edwards, and Milton. I think they really use all three skill sets here uh, so that they can all perform at a high level. And I think they were kind of going through the motions. I think they knew that they could beat LSU last week. And I think their defense is going to give C.J. Stroud trouble here. Uh, He had trouble against Notre Dame first game of the year, top defense, and then also uh, was not able to – to, to play at that high level they needed last week against Michigan to pull out the win. So uh, unless Stetson Bennett throws two or three interceptions, I think the Bulldogs are the right side, 37-17. Wow. Big, uh, yep. big winner is Georgia. Yep. Now, Ohio State wasn't really that inspiring last time they were out, so that would, uh, that would add up. Least we forget, one of the four playoff teams got embarrassed at home by Michigan and still made the playoff either way. So uh, you mentioned uh, the Ole Miss Sugar Bowl earlier. Do you like what you see from this Sugar Bowl this year? Yeah, I, I do, and uh, I, I think that I think it's going to be a fun game. But here's the problem for Alabama: I just don't think that they have the motivation, and they don't have the motivation. It's going to be a real tough way for them to play. I'm hearing their coaches are out. They want to get those last four or five guys that are still on the fence. Kansas State. Uh, uh, we'll be ready for this game and uh, should be a fun game. Anyone uh, wants to get it for free, call 800-400-9741. Like I said, double down December, just $197 through the end of the month. So I want to wish you and uh, your family and your staff and all the listeners out there, it's been a lot of fun this year. Happy, healthy, and a safe holiday. And uh, we'll reconvene the Thursday before the Super Bowl. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Lee. Enjoy yourself at the Orange Bowl. Oh well, someone's got to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, it just—it sounds you know so tough, uh, but enjoy it. I'm sure you're going to be really proud, and, and we'll be watching for sure. So, thank you, Lee. I appreciate it. Take care. Be safe. It's Lee Sterling on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. I hope he's wrong That's about the cool. scores. In the playoffs. Oh, that's a real cool, proud dad moment there. Yeah. Daughter singing the national anthem in front of a huge crowd like that. That's that's really awesome. So yeah, congrats to Lee. Remember, she's the one that helps us with the over-under on the Super Bowl national anthem. What What is he at? Four years in a that's row? That's right. Yes. That's easy money. When when, when, when Lee gives us that, that, that bet when we come back for Super Bowl week... Put your money on it if you want to make a little extra cash. It's, I mean, could you imagine going to your daughter, the professional singer, and asking her to analyze the singers that are doing the national anthem? It, it pays off, obviously. Cause so that's why he's a pro. That is why he's... He's willing pro. to put in the work. 
Lee joined us again on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We had hoops last night. We got to talk about it. Uh, Mississippi State got a win. They're undefeated, so we definitely will get to that. And then also Ole Miss and what happened, at least at the beginning of the game last night. Yikes. We'll get to that when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. You will never stray for every day your Christmas dreams come true on Christmas Island. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. now. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Speaking of Santa, my three-year-old thinks that Santa's coming, like, right now. And so he says, no. his nickname is Bear, so he says, i got to be a good bear for Santa. Like, not yet. He's, he's coming later. No. no got to be a good bear for Santa. Don't tell him that. Get, get good behavior out of him as long as you can. He, he thinks Santa he is coming for you. today, and you can't change his mind, but... Anyway, hope you guys are getting your Christmas shopping done. You just got 10 days until Christmas, if you can believe that. We have 10 days until Christmas. That's crazy. Time just hasn't felt like that because it's been so hot. Yeah. It's been like 75 degrees. Today it's starting to get chilly finally, and this weekend's supposed to be cold. But Speaking of the 10-day, have you looked at the 10-day? Like a high of 30 on Christmas. I looked at it in Missouri. Oh, yeah, you're not going to be here. Oh, goodness. Yeah, well, you're... It's not yeah, high of 18, 18. Don't be uh, dreaming about being back in Mississippi for the weather because we're going to no, feel kind no. of the same. Give me call too. Yeah. Well, at least we'll get a cold Christmas. That's what it's supposed to feel like anyway. Should at least be cold. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's uh, it's basketball season and basketball's played indoors and Mississippi State played in Jackson against Jackson State, but not at Jackson State. They played in the Coliseum, and I, you got to give credit. Chris Jans made reference to it after the game where he's actually played in that game in Jackson and nobody was there. I'm paraphrasing. He didn't use that that pointed of... I mean, that's what he said, though. Yeah, pretty much. That uh, He was yeah. surprised by the crowd. Credit to State fans for showing up on, on a Wednesday night. You know, mm-hmm. not... With all due respect to Jackson State, not exactly a compelling opponent uh, to, to go out to see. And the the box score says over 3,000 people were there. And you might think, oh, that's not a lot. No, it is, because that's an actual reported number of, of the real yeah. number of people that were there. It was a good crowd, and you surprised your coach, and that's a good sign for what's to come when conference play, which is just around the corner, and your crowd's at your home place. Roger Cross called that game that he's referring to. Yes, he did. Well, against Mississippi State uh, and then the Mississippi Coliseum a few weeks. A couple just uh Oh, like two, three years ago, I guess that was. But, yeah, you know, another another good defensive game for Mississippi State, but offensively they had to find their way there up until the end, and finally their quality just kind of just kind of took over. Four Bulldogs in double figures, uh, led by D.J. Jeffries, who is having a pretty decent season. He's been up and down, but he's been more up than down uh, so far this year. And then a good night for Eric Reed, 
double figures for him. You know what you're going to get from Tolu Smith at this point. Um, n- the most important number is they're 10 or no. And they play Nichols State on, uh, or Nichols, I guess it is now, just Nichols, uh, on Saturday. They should be 11 or no. And then they have the game with Drake. If they're 12 and 0, I mean, they don't have to do, they don't have to do much in conference play at 12 and 0 with the way their net and the way their analytics are set up to get them a spot in the NCAA tournament. I mean, 8 and 10 might get them in, to be totally honest. You know, a 20 and 10 regular season would probably get them into the, uh, well, you also have the game with TCU, so a twenty-one and ten or twenty and eleven. I think you. I think you'd be okay. Yeah. I think you would be okay. So, the net also likes the I can't SEC believe it. generally. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got good teams. You've got Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Auburn. They're all you know in the polls. They're all ranked in the top what fifteen or so. Alabama, you I mean could make a very strong case to be the number one team in the nation if you can get a win in that group. Couple of wins in that group. If you could, you know, you split, I think you play two with Alabama and Tennessee. If you could split with them, maybe get one more against, you know, Auburn or, or Arkansas, and then take care of the rest of your business in the conference. I mean, not only are you in, you're comfortably in. You're probably a six or a seven seed at worst. Yeah, the, the schedule hasn't exactly been daunting, but the fact that we're talking like this right now says a lot about Chris Jans and, and what he's done in the early. Very early, not even starting conference play in his first year uh, era of his tenure. I'm beyond impressed. Beyond, I'm, I'm almost amazed at how good this team has played. I, I never, in my wildest dreams, Borky, thought that we'd be sitting here on December the 15th talking about a team ranked in the top 20. And ranked, you know, a number are, are, are so high. And then, I mean, I just didn't think it. I didn't think it was possible. You know, th- this was beyond my. There, there, there's overachieving, and then there's what Chris Jans is doing right now. He, he's on a whole other level of overachievement at this point. This team is definitely playing better than it than it than its talent level should allow it to. Uh, they're well coached. They play well together. And defense travels, man. And when you can play defense with that kind of intensity, it gives you a lot of opportunities. So they're fun to watch, especially if you enjoy a good knife fight in the mud, which is what their basketball style kind of is on the defensive end. They just muddy it up. They make it dirty. They make you bleed for every point. They still haven't given up. I mean, Jackson State had the most points they've allowed all year, 59. And that's They've played good teams. They played Marquette and Utah. Texas A&M Corpus Christi is a team that was in the NCAA tournament and returned all of their starters from a year ago. And yet they just they just hold everybody down defensively. So if that can continue, I mean, when they play in the SEC, they'll be playing better athletes, better basketball players, but we'll see if that can continue. Uh, Hunter, you must have me confused for somebody else. He says, I know Borky doesn't remember and has made comments that Mississippi people don't care about basketball but that isn't true. I have argued the exact opposite, not only on this show, but behind the scenes my entire time here. I, I, I don't know where that's coming from. I do think people in Mississippi care about basketball. I think that we have forgotten what fun, fasc- what fun basketball is like, and so you've seen kind of poor attendance as a result, but it's not because we don't care. It's because the products haven't been good enough to support I mean, I would argue that with Ole Miss fans. who I, I had some people come at me when I was critical of their performance last night talking about how the crowd wasn't good. Well, the crowd wasn't good because the product isn't good. 
even when the product is decent, people show up and support Ole Miss basketball. I have argued about talking about basketball on this show for a long time, and it's not just college. Three of the top ten highest-rated NBA markets in America. Three of the top ten national NBA games, so not just the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, but all of them, are Memphis, New Orleans, and Birmingham. Draw a line from Memphis to New Orleans, New Orleans to Birmingham, and Birmingham to Memphis. And what is inside that triangle? The state of Mississippi. People here care. They absolutely care. And I've argued that for quite some time. But anyway, uh, we'll get to the rest of your message. My whole life, basketball mattered a lot at state until Stansberry was fired. The hump was always packed. Wednesday crowds were even good in SEC play. Glad to see basketball is finally getting back to competitive like it was for years. The SEC made a point a few years ago to elevate basketball. And that's when you saw new coaches coming in and a real emphasis on basketball. And it paid off. And now you have, yes, you have turned the SEC into a, a conference where basketball matters and where you have good teams year in and year out. And it's not like it was a few years ago where it was Kentucky, Florida, and then everybody else. Now you've got five or six teams that you can see winning the conference year in, year out. Somebody says, I think Hunter is confusing the hate people give you when you talk NBA. <laughs> now, I haven't gotten anywhere with trying to convince people to let us talk more NBA, and I think that's probably the right business move, honestly, is to, to not yeah. do that. Uh, but we do have compelling and fun stars just north of our border and just south of our border for what whatever that's worth to you. I know there are Grizzly fans in North Mississippi, and I know there are Pelicans fans on the coast. Hattiesburg is a sneaky good Pelicans town. Like you, you yeah. got Southern Miss Saints and Pelicans, and all, all the way up in Hattiesburg. Either way, either way. Jeff and Grenada says he likes me a lot, but he doesn't like basketball. Fair enough. Uh, but th- this is state fans and, and Southern Miss fans uh, right now because they're ten and one. By the way, um, are starting to get that feeling back, and especially for state, like you mentioned, perspective is needed here. Because this is still year one, and the SEC is a bear. So they're, they're not going to go undefeated for the rest of the year. Like They are going to lose games. It's going to happen. Great teams lose games. First-year teams with a new coach is definitely going to lose games. But I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that, wait a minute, even decent basketball is a lot of fun to be a fan of. We just haven't gotten it. Mm-hmm. And so... Sometimes we'll get people that'll say things like, don't waste money on NIL and basketball because it should all go to baseball and uh, Mississippi State's a baseball school. And it is. You won a national championship two years ago. You have a phenomenal venue. People really care about baseball. They do. But don't forget, one, how important basketball is to your school because it makes it money to the tune of millions a year. And when it's good or even decent, as a fan, it is so much fun. And state credit to Chris Jans for getting that momentum back so quickly to where people, thirty three hundred people are showing up to the Coliseum in Jackson to watch State play Jackson State on a Wednesday night in December. That means something. I'm interested to see what the crowd is this Saturday at the Hump. You know, not a big game, but what else you got going on? Could you can you get five thousand at the Hump? For this team, 
They deserve it. I, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not a preacher, but they deserve it. We will talk about what happened in Oxford last night when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. From Coney Island to the Sunset Strip, somebody's gonna make a happy trip tonight. While the moon is bright. With 12 minutes and 7 seconds to go in the first half, Matt Morrell made a three-point shot to bring the score to 21-3 in favor of UCF. That's right. UCF started the game last night in Oxford on a 21-0 run. Ole Miss's first basket came just under 8 minutes, or in just under 8 minutes worth of game action. Ole Miss clawed their way back, though, cut it down to 10 uh, at halftime, cut it down to four in the second half, but it wasn't enough. They lose by 11 at home. On the surface, UCF is certainly not a bad loss. Uh, they are a team that is top 60 in the metrics, and you know, Ole Miss right now, if you look at their resume, the L's are all fine. Oklahoma will not hurt you. Uh, Memphis will not hurt you. UCF will not hurt you. But right now their best win is Florida Atlantic. And these, uh, what, three losses in the last four games and in two of the last three games, they have been race out of the gym just minutes into the game. Uh, I mean, really just dominated from the jump uh, at Memphis. And again, UCF came out to a 21 to nothing lead. In a year that was so important for Kermit Davis for so many reasons, coming off of a 4-14 and mark in league play with terrible offensive basketball, it looks the same. Last night looked like the exact same product that you saw a year ago. And I know that it's December. There is time for him to figure it out. But Kermit Davis has two months to figure it out. Or else Ole Miss is going to have to make a difficult decision. The product right now is simply not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Getting raced out of your own gym like that, two games after you got raced out of the Forum in Memphis the same way, after going 4-14 and in the league last year, is simply unacceptable. Things have to change. They have to change fast. Simply put, or else. It's not even a difficult decision. At that point, you know, if you're losing basketball games and this is year what four for for Kermit, it's you know that's it's, it's just time. Either you're winning by now or you're not. And if you're not, then they got to make a move to, to make a decision and br- and bring in a new coach. That's just how that's just how the game works. This is how this business works. If you can't get the job done, you can't get the job done. And you move on. So right now, it's it, I mean, non-conference losses. You know, you only have so many you can you can swallow unless you're playing Kansas and Michigan State and 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 Duke every week. There's only so many you can swallow and have any realistic hopes for postseason play. Three is probably 
the maximum. So the rest of the way, they got to win out in non-conference, and they've got to find a way to be good in the conference if they want to have a chance at postseason. And they found possibly some nice things from a couple of reserve bigs. Mbala played well. Ewan played well. They, those guys need to start at this point. At least they bring energy. Uh, but you know, right now Ruffin, he's not a hundred percent. He really, he really can't give them much uh, offensively. They, they don't have anybody that can make shots consistently. And this is going to sound kind of elementary. Forgive me, but. When I watch the aforementioned NBA, and, and I'll I'll watch the Pelicans, for example, and let's say they give up a few baskets in a row, what Willie Green will do the next trip up the floor will design a set specifically to get Zion the ball on the block and let him go to work. They will make sure that their guy, the the set design is for their best player to get a high percentage shot. Happens with the Grizzlies, happens with Devin Booker, happens all over the NBA. If things don't go well for you after a couple of possessions, it's set for Zion right here. We'll get you on your left hand and you go make a play like you do. I don't see that from Ole Miss. And maybe it's happening and I'm just not smart enough to recognize it. But when you get into an 8 nothing hole, an 11 nothing hole, whatever it was last night, I didn't see a... This set is designed for Matt Morrell to get the basketball and a high-percentage look, and this is what we're going to do. I don't see that. It doesn't look like they're creating offense for individuals. It looks like they're running like this a structure, and it just it's, it's just going to happen however it happens. Guy like, guys like well, Matt Morrell need freedom, and it, it looks like they are restricted. And I, I know that's an elementary thought, but that's what it looks like from my vantage point. When I watch high-level basketball all the time, and it looks like the best players have freedom, and Ole Miss's best players don't appear to have the same freedom. Well, then that's a problem because you know, as a coach, you've got to you've got to design plays. You've got to run, running your offense through your best players. If you're not doing that, you're handicapping yourself. So that's going to be on Kermit to to get Morrell, and then as he gets you know healthier and back into shape, Deshaun Ruffin. Those are the guys who have to carry this Ole Miss team. And if they can't, if they can't be allowed to do it through the coaching, well, then you've got a problem and you've got to fix it. Get a message here. I don't see any change. Please explain to the listeners how Ole Miss is going to get any better. I don't see it. I don't know how they do it, but I don't get paid $3 million a year to uh, to figure that out. It's on Kermit Davis's shoulders, and he's got two months and some change to, to figure it out. But right now, the product is just not inspiring and that's why the people aren't showing up to support it. Luke Johnson will join us next. Sports Talk Mississippi. You're number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corn cup pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Frosty the snowman. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you on this Thursday afternoon. We talked Zach Arnett the entire first hour, talked to Lee Sterling, got some picks, talked hoops. Mississippi State got a win last night, Ole Miss. Suffered a loss at home. We have yet to talk about Southern Miss hoops, though, Luke. 
as he joins us right now. Luke Johnson of the Super Talk Eagle Hour on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. So they're just rolling. It feels like every time we talk to you, it's, did you guys expect this? Did Southern Miss fans expect this? At this point, doesn't matter if they did or didn't. The team in the non-conference schedule is just straight up absolutely rolling right now. What is it, three more wins than all of last season at this point? Yeah, first off, is my head bigger than Hey Dad right now on Supertalk. Uh, Clean it a little TV. bit more? There you go. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm kissing my screen, so I can't be can't be. Hey, he's at. got like this yeah, boy, th- this intense camera that that really gets a great picture of of him. That's good stuff. I was just trying to be more like him. Um, so yes, yeah, seven wins last year, and uh, and they're at ten now. Uh, they lost on a last second shot to Northwestern State a few weeks ago. It was a good team. Um, yeah, so if the Eagles win against McNeese Sunday, that'll set up a pretty sweet matchup out in uh, in Las Vegas against UNLV. And I mean, we're talking, you know, you guys are talking about Mississippi State. Southern Miss, uh, as of today, is 19th in net. Um, I couldn't tell you the last time they were in the top, you know, 50, much less the top 20. And uh, the other night um, against Lamar, they, they've been rolling pretty well. Uh, Felipe Hase had another 28 points. Uh, just the production they're getting out of, of Hase and Crowley. Uh, you guys are talking Ole Miss basketball. I'm still wondering how that guy got out of Oxford because he has been phenomenal um, in Hattiesburg. Donovan Ivory has come on. Um, DeAndre Pinckney continues to be a, a great force inside. So, yeah, I mean, thought we would be talking, you know, football right now and then maybe jump forward into baseball. But Southern Miss basketball right now, um, 19th in the net. It's it's nice that that we get this bridge right the the basketball bridge when, when basketball is bad sports fandom especially for Southern Miss fans after Saturday would feel empty until really March because you're not really many people aren't going to baseball games in February when it's freezing out and so there's that that just gap that would have existed after Saturday had the basketball team not done what they're doing but now you just keep the you get to keep the momentum rolling football gets back to a bowl game that's really exciting now you have something really exciting to get you through the next few months until Scott Berry's wildly consistent program really gets started and and we talked to Jeremy McLean uh last week on the Eagle Hour and one of the things he said was the you know, kind of the decision to bring Jay Ladner back. People, you know, kind of scratched their head at it. You win nine games, you win eight games, you win seven games. Um, but Jeremy kind of talked about the dynamics when Ladner walked in from a recruiting perspective. And so um, this team has really taken on the moniker. They're, they're veterans. So there's a lot of juniors and seniors, some fifth-year guys. And they've kind of taken on the moniker of, like, we're a bunch of misfits. Um, and they found chemistry together early. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're looking at, a team, uh, if they win this weekend, they'll either be eleven and two, or or twelve and one when they start conference play. It's remarkable. What a change! Saturday, though, bowl game coming up this weekend. Uh, let, let's start with a, a more surface level thing. Um, fans obviously excited about the direction. A uh, bunch of Golden Eagles making the trip this weekend. Yeah, a lot of people are excited. Uh, ticket off has been been blowing up. People are are really excited because it's it's short, man. Uh, Will Hall talked to, today at practice um, about how it should be somewhat of a, a home field advantage, um, just from the simple fact that Eagles travel well to bowl games, but the fact that it's you know under under hour and a half, hour and a half down there to Mobile, 
uh, they're really happy. They've had a good week. Uh, you know, been seeing some cool stuff. Um, they got a Mardi Gras parade tomorrow. They went to the beach yesterday. Um, I got out of that weather. Yeah, it's, it's nice. I guess today they wouldn't have been able to do it, but yeah, um, some of the, some of the guys that have been there since 2020, I mean, this is the first bowl trip that they've been to. And so they just, it's so rewarding as a former player. I went to four of them and you know, when, when you've been beaten up a little in the year to be able to, uh, to, to feel that reward. And, and so a lot of those seniors, and, and we talked about this this week, Michael. I think this is a big deal. There, there's even a little more, more pressure, I think, as far as a player, uh, because the Monroe game was when to get to a bowl season or a, a bowl game and when and you get to 500. Like this is either winning season or losing season. So I think there's some, some aspect to that going into the game also. And on that note, so we we don't need to dive too deep into this because the goals talk about Southern Miss here, but you mentioned bowl games mean a lot. There's a media sentiment that, oh, the players don't care. They'd rather not play in these games, and, and they're meaningless and stupid. Now, you're, you're seeing a lot of opt-outs, though. So from your perspective, how do you view the opt-outs compared to your experience and your team's experience playing in those bowl games? And, and like, what's happened? So, you know, the commercialization of college football, uh, we talk about that every day. But but for me, I mean, we say there's a lot of opt-outs. But, I mean, you know, with 85 Scully players and 100 dudes on a roster, I mean, relatively the opt-out is is very minimal. And so for the vast majority of people, I had the opportunity to go through a, a rookie camp in the NFL, but the vast majority of guys won't, won't get it. And so – you know, um, on a team, if, if, unless you're, you know, playing a New Year's Six Bowl or you're in the playoff, I mean, a lot of guys, man, this is the last time they'll strap on pads. And, and it's more than that as a player. It's the last time you strap on pads with your brothers. And there's a lot of dudes that take that, that to heart. Um, because the, because rosters are so, you know, fluid these days, you, you really do. What I've been thankful for is that even in some of these transfer situations, guys are saying, Hey, man, stick with us through the bowl game. And because there is a brotherhood that you really find in football that, that you really don't get. And bowl games are unique because you're not staying in the dorm. You're not staying in the apartment. They put you up in some really nice hotel. When we, we played the Liberty Bowl against Utah, uh, I think the only time I ever broke rules was we broke curfew so that we could go on top of the Peabody and see the Ducks late at night. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, stuff like that that happens. What did Coach say when, when you guys got caught doing that? Was he even mad? I didn't. I don't think I told Jeff Bauer until I graduated that I had. Oh, so you didn't because, get caught? You know, no, we didn't get caught. Me and Darren McCaleb hit a fire escape and made it to the top and made it back to the room. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, so we've got a couple of questions about this as, as well on the text line throughout the day. Um, Luke Altmyer reportedly visited Southern Miss, uh, but they got a commitment from a quarterback today. Not Luke Altmyer though. So who is it, and what do you know about him in, in this situation? So Billy Wiles, uh, and I, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, uh, he was a quarterback at Clemson, um, walked on and then was offered a scholarship and was put on scholarship this past year, 6'3", 220 kid. He's out of uh, Virginia, I think Ashburn, Virginia, had had some uh, some offers uh, from some Ivy League schools as well as Tulane. So that's the connection. Uh, Will Hall was the offensive coordinator when Wiles came, at Tulane when Wiles came out of high school. So this is, uh, I would assume without, you know, being told anything, that this is that connection. So, so Wiles is a guy, this is the second commitment from the portal, Holman Edwards coming over from Houston. And I think kind of the fact that, that, you know, they're, they're signing quarterbacks kind of tells you that this, there's going to be turnover. It could be indication that, that Trey Lowe doesn't come back. Could be indication that maybe, you know, one of the younger guys moves on. I would seem to think they're not done at this position. I wouldn't be surprised if, 
if somebody else were, were to come in also. But but Wiles is a guy that was offered by Hall out of high school. Um, I think he was third on the depth chart at Clemson. Um, saw action uh, last year in one game. So uh, you answered my follow-up, which was going to be, do you think they're done here now? But uh, you, you do not think so. Uh, Rice, not not the kind of jambalaya, but the kind that Southern Miss is going to be playing on Saturday. What do we know about them? Or what do we need to know so, about them? Uh, five wins is the most Mike Bloomgren's had in five years. Um, this is a team they beat Southern Miss in 2021 and 20 in the Conference USA matchups. So so this is a team familiar with each other. And these seniors, um, you know, want to want to go out well. One interesting aspect about Rice, uh, a matchup I was looking forward to. Their quarterback had thrown 14 interceptions. Nasty Bunch has 16 on the year, tied for fourth nationally. Uh, so what Rice did against North Texas, they actually started a true freshman quarterback. And he's going to start this game. A.J. Pageant is going to start in this game. And if you're Austin Armstrong, man, you're about to dial up the heat. So, the, so that's going to be the real question. What can the, what can the defense do to confuse a true freshman quarterback? And I, I really look at for the defensive line of Southern Miss to really get after him. Offensively, um, Will Hall told us that, you know, really the first time all year in the ULM game, they felt, uh, you know, semi-competent to be able to call some more plays and expand the playbook. So, you know, I feel like with more practice, Trey Lowe, you know, will start this game. They'll be able to, to put up some points. So, you know, I can see Southern Miss winning this game by 7 to 10 points. We'd be really surprised if they didn't. Luke, thank you so much for your time. Uh, obviously, good luck to the Eagles this weekend, and we'll talk to you about this game next week. Hey, Dad and I are making a playlist. The Carolers will be there Monday night at your house. That's fine. Appreciate it, guys. That's fine, as long as they just don't give me a flyer <laughs> to an obscure place of worship. That's all. That's all I ask. I Neither of the places I, are obscure. I, I, I'll tell Luke you that story, Luke. and I represent Luke. two of the bigger uh, – Luke and I represent two of the bigger places of worship in the world, so exactly. it's not obscure <laughs> at all. Hi, right. right, guys. See Thanks a lot, Luke. As Luke Johnson joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. The college football fix is coming <laughs> your way next. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, yeah. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. Walking home from our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa. Uh, who is singing that? I don't know, honestly. Do you have Shazam? Yeah, but I mean, what am I going to do? Put it in my ear? Yeah, good point. Uh, I can't I can't do it. I'll have to get the, uh, the, the, the the podcast going, and I'll figure it out. So This is Sports yeah, Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Uh, today for the college football fix, uh, a bit of a link dump, if you will. There's some stories that... I don't know if they command an entire segment on their own, but together they will make the college football fix. Some interesting stuff today from around the sport. We also have a new head of the NCAA. We'll talk about that I later. A, I got a headline, though. I don't think I've brought it up on the show. First off, well, let's do let's that. Remember that the college football fix is brought to you by our, our Mississippi Ford dealers. 47 years, the best selling truck. In the world. In the world. All right, so you've got a headline to add. So. 
Yeah, and, and I, I, I just hadn't brought it. I slipped my mind, but uh, Luke and you guys talking about opt-outs. I think Emmanuel Forbes is playing in the uh, the nice. ReliQuest Bowl. Uh, he, he's been at practice the past week. Uh, he he is he's, he's he was at practice yesterday. Um, he hasn't come out and confirmed anything yet. But if he's at practice today, I mean, what's he doing? You know, I mean, he could go train and, and get out of there. The fact that he's sticking around, I, I think we're going to see Emmanuel Forbes one last time in maroon and white. That would be cool. Uh, that, that would it's be not really official cool. yet, but it, it, it's it's leaning that way, is what I would tell you. So so let's start there. Actually, so um, Purdue, they're they're playing LSU, and I'm sure you guys don't really care about the Purdue LSU game, but I think you guys care about the the overwhelming thing that is happening to this bowl game. <laughs> Purdue has had a handful of opt outs in this game. The most recent one is quarterback Aiden O'Connell. You probably don't recognize that name because. Because he's not, a, he's not a, he's fine. He, he's a, he's fine at playing quarterback he's at Purdue. He, he's he's totally fine. But forgive me for getting old man yells at Cloud here. Aiden O'Connell is not a surefire first round pick, looking staring down the barrel of forty million dollars guaranteed that would change his grandkids' life forever. Kind of money. Aiden O'Connell is the kind of player that, like, if he's available in the sixth, the Saints might want to consider taking him to be their backup. Like, we have completely and totally lost the plot on why it was okay to opt out of bowl games. I have defended players for opting out of bowl games. First-round picks, I understand it. Life-altering money. Second-round picks, I understand it. Your children's lives are being altered if you just get to the draft healthy. But with the sheer volume of opt-outs from guys that might not even get drafted at all, what are we doing? Why on earth did we allow this to happen it's part media driven because the media over and over told these kids these games don't matter these games don't matter these games don't matter and so in their mind well then why am i going to play i understand i truly understand why certain guys have opted out people have been making fun of uh the ohio state receiver um smith in jigba He's yeah. been he's been hurt all season. He didn't opt out of the playoff. He's injured. He he, he can't play. Um, so I understand from that perspective. Like if Troy Brown decided not to play for Ole Miss, I would get it. He's been hurt all season long. Sounds like he's going to play though. Yeah. But I would understand that early round pick. I've sympathized with that. I have not been faced with a just show up in a few months healthy and your children's lives are changed forever decision hadn't happened to me. So it's easy for me to sit here and say that they're making bad decisions. But we have completely just destroyed the idea of bowl games. And not that the ReliaQuest Bowl or the Texas Bowl or the Cure Bowl like truly matters. But your team does have one more game to play. Purdue is playing LSU in a game. And Aiden O'Connell's been the quarterback for Purdue for some time. Why are we insisting to guys like him that it's okay to leave before it's over? Especially when he's not the type that is staring down the barrel of generational changing wealth. I I don't like that that has been something that is happening 
wildly across the board for a bunch of guys that honestly might be better suited to return to their school as opposed to go to the NFL. I, I don't like this at all. And that's my old man yells at Cloud. I get it. Now the thing is, and I'm, I, if you didn't know this, I'm, I'm going to... I'll give you a pass, but Aiden O'Connell, his brother recently passed away. Uh, he, he almost didn't play in the Big Ten championship game. So that might be, be part of his reason. But if you tell me that it's just for the pros, I agree with you. Because this is a guy who, I mean, I think he can be a pro. He's definitely he's an NFL prospect. He, he can play in the next level. But what are we doing here? You know, it's kind of the same thing. State had it a couple years ago, right? Yeah, Cam Dancer sit out, right? Okay, Cam Dancer was going to be a pro, no question about it. But then Brian Cole also sat out, and he said it's for get ready for the NFL draft, and then nobody drafted him. So yeah, I agree that sometimes it's just, you know, if you don't want to play, you don't want to play. Just say you don't want to play. We'll all get over it, you know. We'll all move on with our lives. But yeah, you know, don't don't give me the the shroud of I'm getting ready for the NFL draft when you're not. And Will makes a good point. His coach left before it was over. We do give coaches passes, don't we? We do. We, we do. do. And we shouldn't. You have one more game left with your team. I actually like that Deion Sanders, that, that's one thing that he's doing. He he could have done what most coaches do. And, you know, I took a, a better job, so I'm out. Good luck. Here's the interim. That's not what he chose to do. Uh, I, I, right. I respect that. Uh, you know, Will, that's a good point, and I agree with you. Unless the team voted and said, Coach, go away, I think coaches should do whatever they can to continue coaching their games as well. It it creates a weird dynamic, sure. But you're an adult. Your team that you're coaching has one game left. You should do whatever you can to coach that game. If they tell you to go away, then so be it. But you should... And do whatever you can to extend that opportunity to your team. And maybe it just doesn't make sense. Maybe you got to, like, all the recruiting and all that that goes into it. I, I know, but you make a good point, and I agree, I guess is what I'm trying to say. At the end of the day, I mean, I, I see every side of this. You know, I, I can agree with anybody on this issue because they are just kind of exhibition games unless you're playing in the playoff, Right. But at the same time, I agree with, with what Luke said about, you know, there is a, a, a moment there of this is the last time I'm going to put on this uniform. Might be, you know, for some, it's the last time you're ever going to put on any uniform. And that moment of, you know, this is the last time this team will ever play together. Dan Mullen always talked about, you know, once after the bowl game, that team's chapter ends and the next, the first meeting you have after that is the new chapter, right? Because the seniors are gone. The new freshmen are coming in. It's a whole new team. That team's history is over. This team's history begins today. And there's something to that to me. I think that's, 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 that there's some wisdom in that. So, But at the same time, you know, if you're just tired of playing college football and you don't want to take any more beating and you don't want to take any more pounding, and if you do have real draft considerations and you want to walk away, I, I don't hate on it too much either. So. I'm very, you know, you talked earlier about, hey, you know, the sports talk radio is supposed to have a, a violently hot take. I don't. I don't on this. I, I, I can live with anybody's opinion. 
Get one message here. Bowls are also the last game they will play before the draft and could be a great showcase. There's a name who's escaping me. Uh, The the tight end that played at Ole Miss. Help me out. Uh, Underling Kiffin, two years ago. Oh, gosh. Evan Ingram? No, no, two years ago with with Kiffin. Um, Uh, Kenny Yaboa? Kenny Yaboa opted out. What what, what were you opting out of? You were a fringe draft pick. Like, in general. You just, it, yeah. And obviously didn't get picked. That Those are the kind of guys, that's what I'm talking about. The players like him. What are you opting out of? Elijah Moore, I understood. Because he got life-altering wealth. Yeboah didn't. Yeah. yeah. And so... Yeah, it's like saying they would dance during Cole. I mean, it's just, it feels like every year we get a couple of teammates. One's going to get drafted and one's not, but they both opt out. And you're just like, maybe you need some more film. Maybe they need to see you making plays. I don't know. Yeah, and and there are people in our business that swear up and down that NFL teams don't care. John Harris on our show said that that is not true. Some of them don't. Some coaches don't. But there are teams that do, that view that as quitting and will move you down a board just as fast as they'll move you up a board if they like you the same as they like if you're a running back. And they like you, and they like this other running back, almost the exact same, but he plays and you don't, it'll knock you. So, either way. More college football stuff when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over. And you won't just be gone. And so Can I fancy you an NCAA story that is actually interesting? At least I think so. Good luck. Good luck. So Mark Emmert is out because gestures at everything. Uh, horrible at his job and earned almost $4 million a year being made horrible money, yeah. at his job. Uh, they have found his replacement, Charlie Baker. And if you listen to Gallo or Gerard, maybe sometimes that name comes up. He is, not kidding, based on polling results, the most popular governor in the United States of America. Charlie Baker, the governor, uh, the duly, is it duly elected? Where he's been elected twice? Um, elected governor of the state of Massachusetts. Uh, he and his lieutenant governor are the only statewide Republicans in that state. And he has a 75% approval rating. Uh, the people there absolutely love him. Again, the most popular governor in terms of in-state approval rating in America. His term is 
ending next month, and he's decided to take on the head job of the NCAA. He's got a background in, I believe he ran, um, he was the Secretary of Health and Human Human Services there. He also ran a big healthcare nonprofit, has an MBA, Harvard graduate, um, but again, two-time governor of Massachusetts, uh, who is adored uh, despite the political climate right now. He's an adored Republican in a Democrat state. If if you can imagine just how good of a job he's done to to be loved like that, if you will. Now running the NCAA. Very interesting decision on their part. You go from being beloved to behated. I think that's the word. You go from, man, this guy can't do any wrong to this guy doesn't do anything right. You go from maybe the most inept group of people in the world, politicians, to maybe the most inept group of people in the world, the NCAA. (laughs) I feel like it's a win-win for everybody involved. Congratulations, sir. You screwed up your life. He'll be the next president of FIFA at uh, at this rate. Um, (laughs) But but seriously, it, it does indicate that maybe, just maybe, the NCAA realizes how bad they stepped in it, and... Somebody from this arena might help them maybe calm some stuff down. I still, when people talk about this, I read a couple columns about this. This move was necessary as uh, Congress needs to act to save college sports. It's like, even a guy like Charlie Baker should understand that if you take things to Congress, there are people like Cory Booker there. You know? It's just it's hard to say that this is a home run for the organization because he's got ties to, or he understands the political landscape and he can get the people in Washington to do stuff when the people in Washington intentionally don't want to do stuff. I don't understand that praise, but at least it's an outside-the-box measure. It's somebody that has governed over more than just a university doesn't have the education background. He's not going to look at this based on uh, reading about him from an academia perspective because, as you guys know, college sports is about the money. It's not about the academics. Major college sports anyway. So it's true. at least they're trying to do something different, but if this means that they are going to continue to rely on Congress to do their jobs for him, he's an impressive guy. I don't like that idea, though. Yeah, I don't know. I never know what path the NCAA is going down. I never know. I always feel like they swerve when they should, you know, they should swoop and and make whatever kind of, you know, references you want to. I, I, I just, I get what they're doing. At the same time, I don't know that they'll be able to put it into practice. I don't know that they'll even try. They'll just continue to be hypocrites and make billions of dollars, which is what I would do in their situation, so I don't feel bad about it. (laughs) If I could be in their situation where I could be a total hypocrite every day and still make billions of dollars, I would absolutely do it. And I would be more more public about it, to be totally honest with you. I would flaunt it in your face, be like, yeah. Yeah, we are we are just terrible people, but man does the money roll in. I sleep on a mattress full of hundreds. Speaking of the money rolling in, so 2024, everybody out there listening, if you think college football has changed a lot 
Uh, you're right. It has. It has certainly changed a lot. 2024 is the year that is going to change everything. So we got the news that mm-hmm. Texas and Oklahoma are going are, are exhausting all resources to join the SEC in 2024. We already know the college football playoff is going to expand. You guessed it, in 2024. Which, by the way, means that the conference schedules in the SEC are going to change in 2024. You're going to have three permanent opponents and uh, six rotating opponents. No more divisions starting in 2024. And now we've got another one. The Big Ten. Officially adding USC and UCLA in 2024. There is a Board of Regents meeting, which I imagine was thrilling, Last night, the UC, University of California Board of Regents, voted to allow UCLA to join the Big Ten, but in a very typical California fashion, are taxing them. UCLA, because they're leaving Cal behind, are forced to pay between 2 and $10 million annually to Cal, Berkeley, because of their move. And it'll depend on the television deal that the Pac-12 receives as to how much. So at a minimum, $2 million a year, UCLA has to write a check to Cal, or up to 10 But either way, it is happening in a very California way. Big Ten expanding, SEC expanding, SEC schedules changing, college football playoff expanding in the same year. You didn't even mention Maxwell Jacob Friedman becoming a free agent and deciding between AEW and WWE in the bidding war of 2024. That's the big news. <laughs> that too. You know? That that yeah, too. It's yeah. huge. It's huge. I'm glad, glad you, you, you recognize that. Yes, thank you. So hopefully a lot of this kind of stuff dies down. But, yeah, the, the year of change is not 2022. The year of change is 2024. That's when all – everything you know about how college football works from a – Typical, this is who you play, this is when you play, and this is what you're playing for, gets turned upside down just a year and a half from now. Can't wait. You know, I mean, I'll enjoy college football all the time, no matter what, but I'm excited. I'm excited for these changes, and I'm excited for the expanded playoff. You know, I'm excited to see Oklahoma and Texas. I'm excited. Okay, I'm going to be kind of totally honest. I'm really excited to see an SEC football schedule that doesn't say Mississippi State versus Alabama. <laughs> yeah, if I, Greg, Greg, if you're listening, I've really never asked you for much. And the things I have asked you for, you've never given me, Greg. But if I could get in year one of the conference expansion, just the first year, no Alabama for Mississippi State. Is that too much to ask? Let Alabama play anybody else. State can play Oklahoma and Texas. They can play Georgia. I don't care. Just, just not Alabama the first year, please, please. I'm, you, not, I'm not asking that much from you. No, and, and I, I hope that they actually take that into account. You know, fill the schedule. Hopefully, I don't know how you do it, but that's why they have algorithms uh, with teams that you haven't played recently in your rotating six. Um, isn't it crazy how things have changed though? Where seeing Oklahoma right now on your schedule compared to Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Tennessee is a relief. Could you imagine two years ago saying when Oklahoma shows up on state oh. schedule, 
Ooh, not bad. Yeah. Much rather play Oklahoma than Alabama or Georgia. Much rather go to Norman than go to Athens or Tuscaloosa. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm trying to think. So so 2024, State is got Alabama at home. Oh, no. They're going to be like, ah, you got to go back to the road. You got to play. You got to gotta balance that out. You can't have the last home game. God. I can already feel it. They would do something like that, wouldn't they? States, I, I, I'm almost willing to guarantee. So, so State's pod, or call it what you will, there are three opponents, are Ole Miss, uh, let's say LSU and Kentucky, right? So I need six more. State first year, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and, and LSU. Uh, just there it is. Yeah. That's, that's how it's going to go. I can already feel it. Six year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you got a few more minutes to do just that. We've got one more college football news item involving Drew Brees. He's getting bored, I think, is really the answer to this story. Uh, we'll tell you what that is when we come back and read some of your messages on the text line. Don't go anywhere. It's time for more sports talk, Mississippi. Finally, finally, on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Like working, Brian Haydad, with you people are having fun on the text line with the idea of Mississippi State's schedule in 24 when it changes. Matthew says now they're going to get Alabama, Georgia, and LSU for sure, since you asked. <laughs> Probably so. We get uh, another message. Uh, what was it? Uh, Debbie in Ocean Springs that said, Hey, Dad, you said LSU twice. Which I replied, they'll probably will get them, and both games will be in Baton Rouge. Yeah, no, uh, no doubt. Drew Brees is bored. I think he is bored, or something. He misses football, or whatever you want to call this. The former NFL quarterback, as the story puts, you got to do that in journalism. You got to assume your audience doesn't know who you're talking about. But yes, that Drew Brees has been hired as the interim assistant coach at Purdue, and he's going to coach quarterbacks through the bowl game. Drew Brees, for a few weeks anyway, uh, will be helping Purdue during the coaching transition. He will assist the team in bowl prep. They are playing in the Citrus Bowl, so three weeks away. Wait, no, two weeks away. Two weeks and a couple days. Um, yeah. And he can also recruit because a lot of Purdue staff left with Jeff Brom, obviously, so uh, even though he's not a permanent member... Ten guys can hit the road recruiting. Drew Brees is going to be heading to some living rooms around Indiana and beyond recruiting for Purdue. I wonder if this is him feeling it out. Yeah, it feels like it, right? Feel like it feels like a uh, a no risk trial. If you don't like it, your money back. And if he likes it, he could get back in. I mean, I. It's obvious he wants to do something, and it looks like commentary didn't work for him no. for whatever reason. 
He was not good at it for whatever which, reason, which is we, we really surprising. Well, yeah, he was but, boring. He was boring, but that's what I said. About, that's what's surprising though. Is like Breeze always struck me as a guy who who like he could be a little sneaky, funny, and you knew he knew the game, right? So, but he he wasn't able to make it work the way Romo yeah. and the Mannings are making it work right now. So, so you know, you want to find that next thing. This might be it for him for for coaching. I'll be interested to see. I've always felt like, like you look at some of the pl- former players that are coaches. They were all. There's not a lot of great players that that are coaches now, right? You know, Deion Sanders might be the 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 example, but like yeah. for the most part, you got guys who were just decent college football players, poor college football players, and they become coaches because when you're an outstanding player, it's tough to teach. Right? It's like, why can't you do this? I could do it. Well, Coach, you were blessed with natural talent that I don't have. I mean, if you're Drew Brees, I mean, how many times are you going to watch an incomplete pass before you just say, why are you not doing this? Let me show you how it's done. And then you just drop it in from 50 yards out right in the receiver's bread basket. Be like, see, that was easy. It's got to be, you know, I think that's why, like, you know, Magic Johnson tried to coach. Bird was a coach. Bird was actually a pretty decent coach. But, like, it's got to be tough on those guys who made it look so easy, and yeah. it's just a grind for some players, especially at college. You're not talking about those guys were coaches in the pros. A college coach, I mean, you're trying to find some kid out of God knows where in in, in the middle of Ohio to come run the offense, and you're, you've got to stand up to Drew Brees' standard. That's going to be tough. Yeah. One message says Drew coaching is a road uh, road path to coaching in the NFL, maybe New Orleans. Jeff Duncan wrote a column talking about how um, sources of his close to Sean Payton think that uh, he wouldn't rule out a return if that job came open this offseason. Then open the job. Open the job anyway. Open it. But do it regardless. But Yeah. Open it. It's open now, Sean. Sign, sign the contract. Um, I will personally pay you $100 cash. I think we can get a lot of other Saints fans in on that deal. I think so. And, uh, you know, maybe he brings Drew in to be his assistant quarterback's coach or whatever, just to get get him started. I'd either bring Drew in to be his actual quarterback at the way things have gone this year. <laughs> Surely that arm is rested by now. He's ready to roll. Uh, no, uh, no doubt. Hunter's asking, why would Kentucky... One last thing be... before we go. Go for it. No, we haven't brought it up. Petrino to UNLV. Yes. We'll talk about that tomorrow. That's a roll of the dice, no pun intended. My goodness. What a what a great fit, though. I mean, when you think Vegas oh, yeah. in college football, you think Bobby Petrino. Oh, that's definitely what I think. I think I picture him riding that motorcycle down the strip. You think he's got a clause in his contract that says he can't do stuff the same way Hugh Freeze has one in his? Possibly. Maybe. Like, uh... Like, can't visit the strip, you know, that kind of stuff? Can't visit anything with the word strip in it. Yes. See, there we go. No strip. Strip anything. No. You can't even go You can't even go to the airport because there's a landing strip. you got to go to one that have runways. You can't go to small airports. I'm off to a Christmas party. Thank you guys so much for making our show a part of your day. For Richard Cross, who is in New York, I believe, I think. He ain't here. He's not here. doesn't matter. And Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 3. Y'all have a good one.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.